sermon series that we started last week called uh, called Kingdom Come. It's all good. It's no perfect people allowed. It's 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 all good. And uh, we kicked off this sermon series called Kingdom Come because we're we're looking at uh, what Jesus is talking about when you read through the Gospels. Jesus is continually talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, and he even starts off and he says, "Hey, I'm I'm starting my ministry, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. People need to hear the good news." And so, what does that what does that really mean? Because our minds can go in all kinds of different directions when we hear the kingdom of God. And so last week. We talked about how Jesus establishes his reign. We talked about his coronation, his procession, and how the kingdom of God comes forth. It's something that, yeah, we can look forward to in the future, the there and then, but it's also something that exists and is happening right now in the here and now. And so we're going to continue that. We're going to talk about that. There, there's so many, when, when I hear the kingdom, and, and I think most of us, when we hear of a kingdom, we think of some form of government. And there are all kinds of forms of government that have existed throughout human life. I mean, throughout the centuries, there's so many different examples. And I just want you to think, think through those things. I don't know if you think about this very much. Which would be your favorite form of government? Which would be the one that you would pick that would say, if only people would just live this one out perfectly, that would be the right one for, for everybody. Now, keep in mind that no matter what you pick, even with the most altruistic intentions at heart, people are going to mess it up. And you're not going to make everybody happy. Somebody will find, even if they have the most amazing life, everybody has millions of dollars all the time, and uh, you know, because that would make everybody happy and that would correct everything. Even if uh, you had the perfect house, you know, perfect food, all of those kinds of things, people would find some way to complain. Uh, let, me, let me use the workplace as a little microcosm of government, uh, governance as an example for that, okay? So let me give you some examples of people who have experienced you know, people who just, you just can't make happy. All right, so here's, here's one example. I'll give you a couple. I worked at McDonald's. A man put in a complaint because I wouldn't let him in after we had already closed, right? Isn't that annoying? You go up, they're closed, just open. If I complain, it'll, it'll happen. A woman ordered a cappuccino and got upset that the one I made her had foam. Some of you that know what coffee is are kind of getting a clue there. I explained to her what a cappuccino is. She said angrily, I know what a cappuccino is, and lodged a complaint with my manager. Uh, for those of the, you that don't know, cappuccino has foam in it. I once had a coworker file an HR complaint against me for reading books at lunch. You know, because that's, that's so deeply offensive to me when I see someone else reading during their lunch break. How about this one? My husband is a dentist. A new patient reported him to the Board of Dentistry for recommending that she get her teeth cleaned. How, how dare they? Some of you are like, have been deeply offended by a dentist who have told, who's told you to get your teeth cleaned. I, I can tell. Uh, here, here's la one last one. I'm a firefighter and had a citizen complaint. I wouldn't take my boots off while entering a lady's house. It is against our protocol to take off any of our safety gear. By the way, her house was actively on fire when she made the request. There's just no pleasing some people. And it won't just be complaining. It won't just be people who aren't happy. Whatever form of governance that we come up with, somebody's going to fall through, the fall through the cracks. Somebody is going to try to exploit the system. Somebody will cause trouble. You know, there's nothing that's going to work. Now, now, for me, the temptation is, now, I asked you earlier, what's your favorite form of government? And I, I say this. I don't know, you always feel like you got to say, give caveats when you say stuff like this. So I say this with tongue firmly planted in cheek. I think my favorite would be a totalitarian dictatorship with me in charge. 
Like, that's the only one that I would like. I, I wouldn't like any others. But I think, I think if everybody did what I wanted them to do, the world would be a much happier place. I think everything would be perfect. Don't you agree? I mean, of course, everybody would be like, yes, we would, we would love that. No, nobody would, would like that. Uh, th- those don't ever end well. <laughs> you know, even if you think you're going to have everything the best for you in your life, it still doesn't end well for the dictators ever either throughout human history. Um, it's, it's not going to work out for anyone and eventually not even yourself. What we really need are superpowers. You didn't know, right? I mean, that way we can make everybody do exactly what we wanted them to do because that has never gone wrong in human history. You know, when humans are in power uh, and complete ultimate power over, over other human beings and we take away their free will, like that never goes, that never goes wrong, right? So what, what will we do? As much energy and thinking and testing and attempts there has been in the whole of human history, there is no perfect form of government that has ever been established, and there is no perfect form of government that ever will be established. Now, I, I might have to tread carefully. I know I might be walking on eggshells this morning when I say something like that. Certainly, there are those that operate in a much healthier way than others, however we might define that. And it's healthy for us to discuss what those are and how best to operate within those parameters. I mean, as Christians, we should be involved as citizens in whatever country we are a part of in what's happening in our government or politically. But one thing that we can all agree on and admit to is that there are inherent flaws within all systems because we are a part of them because humans are part of the equation, and inevitably we mess up. As good intention as we may be, we bring our flaws to the table. Now, one of the ideas that comes, especially with Christians when it comes to the kingdom of God, is we say, you know what would be best for everybody is if God is in charge. Now, I might kind of agree with that. Unfortunately, the way that we handle that and the direction we take that isn't actually all that healthy. Because what we're really saying is what we want us to be in charge on behalf of God. And so there's some form of governments that we think. So maybe we think the kingdom of God is something like a theocracy. A theocracy, if you don't know, I'll give you the, the definition. It's a form of government in which one or more deities of some type are recognized as supreme ruling authorities. All right, what if God was in charge? That would be good. But the definition keeps going, giving divine guidance to human intermediaries. Don't you want to be one of those, right, who manage the day-to-day affairs of the government? The problem is, is that the humans are the problem. In fact, there are many followers of Jesus that have, have that hope, even for our country, that if only we could become a Christian nation, what we really mean is only if we could be in power as Christians, that would, that would correct everything. Like, that would be the solution for everyone, and everything would be great. Uh, but that's not what's going to solve our problems, and it never has, because that's not a unique thought historically. That's something that, that's happened. In fact, there are multiple examples throughout Scripture of this as well. And why is it a problem? Because we make it an issue of marketing versus a completely different paradigm that God makes it when he talks about his kingdom. Here's what I mean by making an issue of marketing. So this is, what, this is something that Christians like to do. We like to take other ideas and we kind of like to co-opt it and put our own branding and marketing on it. So let me give you some Christian t-shirt ideas, all right? These are actually not my ideas. These are Christian t-shirts that actually exist, okay? Um, and l- listen, listen, if you have one of these, um, or if you ever have had one, no judgment, no judgment here, no perfect people allowed, right? All right, so here's this one. I like Reese's. Uh, that's, that says Jesus, though. Sweet Savior, King of Kings, right? All right. So, yeah, uh, okay, it's, yes, this, in fact, we're talking about Jesus as the King, right? That's what we talked about last week. Um, here's, here's this one over here. Uh, catch up with Jesus. 
And if you can't read the last part, blessed from head to toes, to my toes. Um, yeah, right? Audible groans, I love it. All right, here's the last one. I'm kind of standing in the way a little bit. Uh, you remember tithe? You know the, okay. It says tithe, and then it says, for a cleaner, fresher soul, give 10% or more for best results. All right. Um, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of one of the things we're tempted to do. Is somebody else comes up with this idea, or humans come up with this idea, and we say, oh, if we can kind of co-opt that, put our own marketing and branding on it, then that would make it okay. And that's one of the things that we do when we think about the kingdom of God, is we say, oh, it just means some, a different form of human government. If we can t- kind of take that and co-opt it and be in charge, then everything would work. But it doesn't actually happen that way. Humans have been falling for this and defining God's kingdom with their own ideas and temptations to co-opt other ideas from the beginning. So let me give you some quick hitting examples. I'm going to give you four from scripture. The first one, this is the first time that God's kingdom, you know, God has been dethroned is in the garden of Eden. And this happens in Genesis chapter three. And I'm just going to read verses two through five. Some of you are familiar with this. Uh, The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see how that twist in thinking, like, what do you mean by die? You know, do we die? Yes, we die. And we die physically, we die spiritually as a result of the fall and because of sin in the world. But it takes that little bit of temptation, that twist on that thinking, you know, twisting, twisting this kind of half truth and then thinking that, oh, if we could just if we could just be in charge, like think, things would be cool and everything would be great because we wouldn't mess it up. But this is exactly what started us on this path to things being messed up in our life. God being dethroned by this idea that, oh, if we could, if we could be in charge of our own, you know, own self, like this would be great. Here's a second example. We keep going through the nation of Israel have been chosen. They've been set apart as uh, God's people. They are the example of who God is uh, and his reign and his rule. And they, they see everybody else, though, and they're not, they're not ruled in the same way. God hasn't physically come down. He's not on a physical throne in front of them. They don't have a king. And so they look at all the other nations. That looks cool. I don't know, maybe some of you follow all the nobility and pomp and circumstance, you know, over in England or that kind of thing. That looks cool. We should have one of those. That would be great. Well, that actually happens. And they complain and they say, we want a king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, this this is what God has to say about that, starting in verse 6. But when they said, and this is the nation of Israel, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as as their king. So here was their idea, like, this would be a great form of government. This is what we should have. It was actually, ultimately, a rejection of God as their king. Uh, Then you continue to look through uh, the Old Testament, and you see this back and forth cycle of uh, the nation of Israel being exiled from their land, and then they come back, and God blesses them, and then they forget where that blessing comes from, and then they're conquered again, they're exiled from the land, and back and forth, and back and forth, because this problem continues to happen. And by the time you get to Jesus, 
even the conception of the Messiah and Jesus being the, the, the Son of God, they thought of it in terms of Jesus establishing an earthly kingdom. And so some of his disciples were like, hey, I want to be sit on your right and your left. Like, we want to be in the throne room with you. We want to be in charge along with you. And they scattered at the end. All of his followers expected everything was over because he was dead. They were coming to bury him. They were coming to, you know, he was, he was there in the tomb. It was over because this earthly kingdom that Jesus was coming to establish couldn't happen anymore because of his death. And yet we know, we talked about this last week, that that was not at all the end. That was merely the beginning of God's reign coming, coming to be. And these are all misunderstandings of God's reign. And while God has never been removed from power or authority, humans have been dethroning him forever, essentially wanting a God-branded version of what everyone else is doing. So even this idea that, oh man, if we only could get Christians in power in our own political context, everything would be exactly the way that God wants it, doesn't fit with what God wants for his kingdom. So what does it look like? What does it mean? Like when God says, when Jesus says you should pray, your kingdom come, what does that mean? We're going to talk about that very specifically. Because God is working toward a kingdom that has already been established in which Jesus is already king. All right. I believe it's helpful to think of it like this. God's, God wants the best for us, and his standard is for us to have a perfect life with him. And he's given us his best through Jesus, and everything else is substandard. And I think that's the most helpful way for us to think, just, just kind of put things into perspective for us to think about how we live out our lives in his kingdom versus all the others. So while other things might look attractive initially, it's just like Israel wanting the pomp and circumstance of a king, they invariably fall apart because it's not what is best for us. And so God has a completely different paradigm for his kingdom that has nothing to do with an earthly form of government. It's not anything that has come from earth, but rather what he wants to share from himself with us, and that is heaven. And that is the process in which he invites us into to participate in and steward in our lives. And so Jesus gives this model prayer to his disciples, the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 9. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to that so you can check it out. Um, it wasn't necessarily something that they were meant to use by rote. So some of you have been maybe in faith traditions and contexts where you recited the Lord's Prayer every single Sunday. It's something that you have memorized. You know it by heart. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. that that's, not, that that's not a problem at all. The only um, caveat I would give to that is Jesus said, this is how you should pray, not what you should pray. So his point is not you should repeat these words incessantly. His point is this is what should guide your conversation when you are praying with God. These are the thoughts, these are the ideas, these are the things that should affect your faith and how you live out your salvation with God that connects us to the way, the truth, and the life. So this is what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And one of the elements that I want to pull out from that prayer is verse 10, where Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Because there's two key phrases in there that clue us in on exactly what Jesus is talking about when he says that we are meant to be a part of God's kingdom. We'll start with the last phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think heaven will be like? Just give you a second to kind of think about that. 
What, what do you think heaven is going to be like? I mean, there's description that we're given in Scripture. We're, talk, uh, we're told a lot about how it might look, what we might experience. We're told, you know, things that aren't going to be there. There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. There's no more sorrow. You know, all of those amazing things that we look. What do you think heaven is going to be uh, look like? We actually did a sermon series on heaven last year, um, so you can check that out. I won't go into a whole lot of detail this morning. I don't know how many of you find yourself thinking about this or longing for this in your life, but I know that I think about this with some regularity. Uh, to be with God's presence, to live in such a way that he has always designed and meant for us to live, to experience life on his terms, um, that, that is something to look forward to. Because I know that is, you know, for me, it's, I don't think of it in terms of a, a sense of escapism, uh, but I just know that that's where God makes things, all things right. And so that gives me hope and joy to, to think about and to know that that's, that's coming. Uh, there are a lot of things that are not right with the earth, and we are the ones who kind of create those issues, and that is where God makes all those things right. But I'm also not just wanting to skip ahead. I don't know if you've ever, maybe some of you have thought this and even felt guilty. You know, you don't want to necessarily skip right now to, to heaven. There's things that you want to, there's things in my life that I want to experience. I want to experience some things with my family and with my friends. There are things that I'm looking forward to. I'm okay if those things don't happen. I'm not going to have any regret, regrets if I come face to face with Jesus later today. I, not at all. I'm not going to worry about that at all. But I don't want to skip forward because I know there's an opportunity for me to live my life in such a way that invites other people to heaven with me. And that's what, that's what the kingdom of God is all about, is that heaven is not something that we punch our ticket to and wait for to happen in the future. It's something that we help to live in right now among other people because of what God has already done for us through Jesus Christ. When we live on earth as it is in heaven, we bring heaven with us. We bring that goodness, we bring that joy through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We share how God meant for things to be with us right now. Will our life here on earth be perfect? No, but we will create moments and glimpses that strengthen us and give us hope for the future. When things are going really well and we get to enjoy good things, we celebrate those things and we're grateful for the glimpse of heaven on earth that that gives us. And when things aren't going well, we remind ourselves of what heaven is like and we do our, thing, our part to help make things right. And we follow God in allowing him to do his part to make things right. The renewal and redemption of all things has already begun through Jesus. That was what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And it continues through us as we live out God's will, as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, as we share Jesus and we are disciples of him among other people. And this, uh, as, as we live out God's will, and this brings us to the second key phrase in this section of the Lord's Prayer, your will be done. I put God in there in brackets because I think we forget who's, who, who the your is a lot of times. I know I do. When I think your will be done, I think my will be done. Because that's really what's pitted here, is our will versus God's will. Um, the most popular ethic at this point within our culture is our will be done, my will be done. What I want to see happen, what feels best for me, that's the thing that I want. And, and that's not really changed, actually, throughout the course of human history. That's, that's not new. This is one of the biggest challenges we face when it comes to how we're tempted to live versus how we are called to live and what leads to God's best for us. A lot of times this comes about when we're really concerned about the specificity of God's will. What does he want me to do today? What does he want me to do in my job? What shirt does he want me to put on today? What restaurant does God want me to go to? Like, we really want to know really specifically, you know, God, give me the exact words to say to my boss or this coworker. This is the exact thing. I, I need this 
really specific, detailed. It's the shirt with, with green, and it's got black buttons, and like, that's the one with jeans that you put, well, we already knew that, because I only wear jeans all the time. And tennis shoes, like, you got one pair of tennis shoes, that's what you're going to wear this morning. And we get really concerned about that kind of stuff because we're, really because we're self-absorbed. And we think, oh, if only I know that, then I'll be able to live my, my, my best life. When God is more concerned with how we go about our living rather than the specific details of what we do and, um, and what, what happens in, in our life. It's, it's more about how we go about those things, how we approach them, what kind of character, what kind of nature are we embodying within our life? What kind of person do you want to be? I've, I've had that conversation with, with people pretty close to me. It's like, what kind of person do you want to be? Let's not talk about necessarily just the specifics of everything that's going on in your life, but what kind of person do you want to be? God's will is done when we go about living it, when, when that becomes more of our parameter and more of our priority in our life. There will be times when we don't want to follow God's will, and, and that's okay. It's even normal because we don't know what he knows. We don't see what he sees. We don't think what he thinks. It's, it, it, you know, you can think of it like a parent-child relationship. There are things that my kids don't know that I'm going to tell them, hey, you don't want to be involved in this because I know what's best for you. It's no different than giving up control when you're sitting in a plane and the pilot's flying. I know some of us are like, I don't want to, I don't want to fly because I don't want to trust. They've, they know exactly what they're doing. The pilot knows what they're doing. No different than going in surgery. It's like, you don't want me holding the scalpel. I'm not the expert here. The surgeon is like, that's the person, you know, it's like somebody cutting down a tree or something like you want the arborist in that tree. You know, that's the, that's the person that you want. Somebody who knows what they're doing, doing those things. And that's what God does with and for us. Uh, Jesus even comes to uh, a place in his life, Matthew chapter 26, where even he is like, God, I, I would rather your will for me be different than what it is. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and played, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane preparing for his execution. Jesus then, in verse 42, he goes away a second time and he prays, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And what, it's, what I would say to you is that the way that we live out this kingdom of God, the way that's meant to affect our lives is for us to think of this phrase from Jesus, yet not as I will, but as you will. And this is what happens when we take responsibility for our role in the kingdom of God as citizens that Jesus has saved to be Savior and Lord of. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm responsible for the part that I play. And with the Holy Spirit empowering me and sustaining me, when I say me, I'm talking about us, counseling us through Scripture, we ask God what his will is and we do it. And so it looks a lot like this. On earth as it is in heaven, but also in Henrico as it is in heaven. In Richmond as it is in heaven. i got to shout out Goochland. I live in Goochland. So even in Goochland County, as it is in heaven, in Nicaragua, as it is in heaven, in my church, as it is in heaven, in my home, as it is in heaven, in my workplace, as it is in heaven, in my friendships, as it is in heaven. And this is what it means for God's kingdom to, to come and, and to exist. It's not some earthly form of governance. It's the life that he has always wanted to live with us. The process for how we develop our thinking actions to align with this, with God's will, this is obedience. 
And, and simply making obedient decisions when it comes to, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live in Henrico or in Goochland, which is a great place. I love living in Goochland County. It's, it's amazing. Where, you know, in my home, when I'm at work, wherever, where, when I'm in the grocery store, what does this look like? I, I would just ask, you know, do, do you take time, and this is my challenge uh, for you, like whatever decision you have this week, all of us have decisions to make. Do you take time to stop and to pray and to consider and read scripture and think about what, what is God's will in this? It might not be a specific decision, like what color shirt to wear, but it might be how do I go about picking out my clothes and buying what I wear? Yeah, those are the things that impact us in, in, uh, in the kingdom of God and how we recognize our role in living out God's will as it is in heaven. Let us live our lives as the people of God's kingdom, giving glory to our king and allowing him to show us what is best for us in this life. That's what it means for God's kingdom to come. And we're going to continue to talk about over the next couple weeks what our role is and what that means even more specifically as we continue on in this, in this series. Let me pray for us. God, uh, so many distractions for what your kingdom might be, so many opinions, so many directions that people uh, are tempted to be pulled in, that, that people um, even preach about or, or tell people to be concerned about. And yet, it, it, it is about so few of those things. God, help us to be more aware of and more intentional in our lives about what it means to be a part of your kingdom, for your kingdom to be real and active and living and life-changing here on this earth. That it's not just about waiting for heaven, but it's about what, what we do here to help earth look a little bit more like what you wanted it to be from the beginning. Help us to be more engaged with your will and, and less with ours. Help us to take time to consider what it means to follow you, to be directed by you in our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.